You're listening to A Little Happy Podcast, weekly conversations about marriage, kids, work, friendships, and the pursuit of living an authentic life. A Little Happy Podcast, where small moments make a big life. This week on A Little Happy Podcast, Mary Susan is joined by her good friend, Teresa Rhodes, and they chat about the power of choosing your words. Teresa served as the executive director of the Buckingham Foundation. She's worked for the office of the mayor of Indianapolis and the Marion County Prosecutor's Office. And you can hear more about Teresa's work prior to her recent retirement on this episode. This is a great discussion about the power of serving others and the positive influence of choosing your words. I hope you enjoy this episode featuring Mary Susan and Teresa Rhodes. Welcome back to the Little Happy Podcast. I'm Mary Susan, and I am so excited to have one of my most favorite people on as a guest today, Teresa Farrington Rhodes. That's why I feel like it needed like a like a, a little intro. You like that? Love that. Yeah. Thank Love you that. for being here. My pleasure. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this. Have you? I have indeed. I love being with you. You are one of my favorite people um, because you make me feel calm. Did oh, you I know like that? that. No, I didn't yeah. know that. I when, don't know that I've ever heard that from anybody else before. Um, that I that I have a calming. You effect. have a very calming effect, Good. and like I feel my blood pressure lowering when I'm with you. And you're one of the wisest people I know. So I just, I, I try to shut up and listen when I'm around you. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I, so I wish more people had that philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being that person in my life. My I feel pleasure. like we just, I, I, I'm not even sure. I kind of remember how we met, but I feel like I remember sitting across a table from you at a meeting. And I remember thinking, I want her to be my friend. I don't know if that, if she's going to feel the same way, but I was like, we're, I, I, I hope we're friends. Well, we are now. Here we are. And we're very zen. We're, we're very zen. Until we're not, right? <laughs> Until we're not. Until we're not. Right. Okay. I'm just going to brag on you for a minute. Oh, boy. And then you can you can kind of fill us in. Okay. Um, beyond that, beyond, beyond, you like to say, because you recently retired, mm -hmm. this is who you used to be. This was the Teresa Rhodes mm -hmm. pre-retirement. Right. Because you have a whole nother life. In retirement, which it, we're going to touch on. And it on. is just a magical life. It is magical. Mm -hmm. But before retiring, you served as executive director of Buckingham Foundation. Uh, the Buckingham Foundation served a critical role in proactively initiating positive change in areas of affordable housing, uh, community and economic development, and arts and culture, which is in incredible. So highly regarded, and you were in command. You were the, the person to make that happen. Uh, before that, you um, you served as the president of Lacey Leadership Association. I did. I did not know that. I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And that is super impressive. They uh, were great, great gigs. I, I'm one of those fortunate people who I've had this variety of interesting and fantastic gigs throughout my whole career. Well, that's why you're such an interesting person. Well, thank you. Because you spend most of your career being interested, which I love. Um, you've also worked for the mayor's office um, in Indianapolis and the Marion County Prosecutor's Office. Super impressive. Mm -hmm. um, in your free time, you serve the community. I know you in this capacity of being a fierce advocate. Um, I know food insecurity mm -hmm. is a passion for you. We've done things before mm -hmm. together for that. Um, you also are a board member for the International Violin Competition of Indianapolis, which is super big deal. Um, you just have so many cool things going on. I could go on and on about you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? 
No, I think that's, I can, I just hope I can live up to all of that. That was quite the, um, quite the buildup. No, I've, uh, like I said, I've really enjoyed my career and I think people go through phases in their life and they have these interesting phases and every one of mine has been indeed interesting. I've learned a little something at every stop and I've just been blessed to be surrounded by fantastic people, whether it's been through a job or through my civic and nonprofit interaction or my my friendships, and um, now it's exciting to enter this kind of new phase of my life, uh, having retired one year ago now. One year ago, um, huge retirement party. Very nice. You um, are beloved, and you are highly regarded. Thank you. Um, and now you have a whole new life in retirement. I You're sure traveling. Do. We are. We're traveling. Yep. And mm-hmm. you love baseball. Love baseball. We mm-hmm. take our annual family um trip to see the New York Yankees play somewhere. We just returned from Seattle. Both of the games that we saw, they won, so we were glad about that. <laughs> and we invite our daughters to go with us. Uh, we thought maybe as they got older and had husbands and children, it would get harder that they wouldn't want to go, but we found it's exactly the opposite, and now they can't wait to go. That's and they, incredible. They're already planning next summer's um, trip, and we have also discovered that we've been doing this at least 30 years, probably longer, and um, they're a little. The trips are a little bit more expensive now that everyone <laughs> likes to drink beer, and they don't just want cotton candy, right. From the concession right. So stand. now so you have to save up for beer money. We've adjusted. We've yeah, adjusted you've adjusted. Right. Is there a drink limit? Maybe not. No? Okay. We're, no, not in their mind. So um, it was. So we haven't tried to institute that. No. I love that. You guys have been to um, some really cool places with that tradition, and I, I love. Um, that you have that because uh, tell the audience how many daughters you all have. We have five girls. Uh-huh. My husband is the proud father of five um, daughters, uh-huh. and we like to laugh also because we, uh, in addition, now have ten grandchildren, and out of those uh-huh. ten, nine are boys. Okay. So the generations <laughs> have changed, and um, he's got. We have one little princess uh, granddaughter, Ruby, and. That everyone will admit that Ruby is his favorite, is Grandpa's favorite of all, because he knows girls. Yes, so he does know girls. That's his and, thing. and um Lance is one of my favorite people too. Do not do not think that Lance Rhodes doesn't know mm-hmm. how to raise uh girls. He's right? the original, he's the OG girl dad. He is the OG mm-hmm. girl dad. For sure. Super fun. Tell me a little bit what you're doing in retirement because I did not know this till you and I were just catching up, but I literally was like, oh my gosh, well, you are so stinking fun. I'm very busy and <laughs> I um I had vowed to myself before I retired I didn't want to really set anything up. A lot of people when you when people get ready to retire, I find this is interesting, people will automatically go to, well what are you going to do? Right. And I didn't have a big answer for that. It was kind of like, well I want to explore and I want to see what else is out there. I mean, I knew we would travel a little bit and I like to work out and so um do that and I garden and we do a lot of things <clears throat> outdoors, but I also um after a few months of of being retired, I maybe got a little bit of an itch to do something. And so I found this fantastic, fun summer job at Ruoff Music Center. Outdoor amphitheater here out, in Indianapolis. It's like the outdoor music uh, place, right? Outdoor, close to close to my house. Mm-hmm. Um, outdoor, and they needed people for various teams. And the one that caught my eye is um, what I would describe as customer experience. So it's working with folks who come to the concert and make sure they have an excellent experience and have the opportunity to um, buy tickets to future shows and and go into a 
VIP area if they want to upsell and or move into a different party area or um, just a lot of things, rent lawn chairs, things like that will enhance their experience. So I interviewed for that uh-huh. and was fortunate to be hired. And I've now worked my first show, uh-huh. Janet Jackson, which was fantastic. How and, was Janet Jackson? Oh, she brings the Does energy. Does she bring it? I mean, she's probably in her mid-50s, uh-huh. I think, and she brings that energy. I was mm-hmm. very impressed. Yeah. Full house that night, packed. It was fun just to be interacting with people, uh-huh. lots of energy, working with my um, colleagues, and just get, it was just good energy and, and, like I said, lots of fun being outside, live music. Um, and that interaction with people, kind of that yes, customer the energy. service, and customer experience. And people come to outdoor music concerts, festivals, or whatever, typically in a really good mood. They like will, it's yeah. a community. It's like we're, we're all together to hear somebody we love, great and we're going to have a great experience. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I would assume, like mm-hmm. really high energy. High energy, um, very, very high energy people. That's a great observation. People are in a good mood. They were excited. And, you know, I think... Um, Really, a lot of my roles my whole career have had a customer service or a customer experience component, and it's all about, you know, how you're doing something at the end of the day that is helping somebody maybe enhance their experience, and so that's, I, it doesn't matter if it's one of my previous roles as an executive director or if I'm, you know, standing at the gate as people come into Ruoff. I'm greeting them, and in my mind, I'm that ambassador. I'm, I love I'm what that. They'll, they'll walk away from that experience, um, you know, and if I can enhance that, then that's important to I me. I love that you are still um, reinventing yourselves. Mm-hmm. Selves. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there's one Teresa Rhodes, right. but that you're still reinventing yourself, and um, you're still finding ways uh, to serve. I love that. We talked about the idea of on this little happy podcast is what are things that implement people can implement in their lives to make their life happier. That was why Natty and I started this journey, um, in, in bringing on people and guests that live that mantra every day in their life. And when I was thinking about you and how I feel when I'm around you, when I spend time with you, um, is that you are very discerning in a very healthy way with the words you choose. Um, and I think that this is something that I've, I've taken from you and I've learned from you um, to, to, to choose your words carefully because they matter. I don't necessarily know if I've always been great about that. You ask my kids, they would absolutely say, I have not been great about that, right? But in the effort of, of evolving and changing and getting better, so in the effort of, of the goal to be happier, right? Um, does being a person of intention when you choose your words make your life happier? Well, I think that's a great point, and I think it does. The, 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 the short answer is yes, it does. The longer answer is I learned early on, um, I think, to be a good listener or really to try to be a good listener, and it's almost like that's a lost art in some ways in, um, in today's society and our culture and the way things are going. I think sometimes we forget about the importance of listening uh-huh. and sitting and being able to talk to somebody, look them in the eye, have a conversation, but be completely focused on listening and not thinking ahead to what you're going to say or not mm-hmm. thinking ahead to how you can compare something or can you get a word in just simply listening. And one of the things that I really like to do in my former, in my former life and, and still of course, but, um, was mentoring some of our up and coming and emerging 
um, employees and our emerging leaders and our younger employees. And, and so that was one of the things that I really liked doing was spending time with them and mentoring and helping coach um, because at the end of the day, what I was most interested in was seeing them grow and develop and become the, the, the leaders of the future. And so I think that that's a very important skill set that you have to have when you're mentoring or coaching or just talking, whether it's family or friends, listening is, is very important. And so I think that that really helps because if you sit and listen to the person, you can be thoughtfully thinking about how you want to respond and what you want to say. I think the other thing that goes along with that is you don't have to say every single thing that pops into your brain. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Super weird. And I learned I learned that a long time ago as well. Um, that you know, I mean, I, there are things that I want to be known for, but but I think one of the things that I have focused on is how can I be diplomatic and how can I be tactful and still validate what the person is saying mm -hmm. and, and, and not be disingenuous. I mean, you can uh -huh. still be very honest and candid. I think sometimes that's more kind. People think sometimes that's unkind if uh -huh. you are giving honest feedback. I think it's more kind and more helpful to be honest and upfront and candid, but it sometimes it's just all the way you say it in your delivery because uh -huh. sometimes people are searching for what am I doing wrong or what have I done wrong or what could I do better? And, I do think sometimes you have to look at the situation and say, well, give yourself some grace sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just have to give yourself some grace and uh -huh. think, what is that other person's responsibility uh -huh. and what are they bringing to the table? And maybe, yeah, sometimes people just evolve. Right. And, and sometimes we need to remind ourselves that it's not all about us. How is that other person impacting right, us? Right, which you have such great ability to kind of see things. You're so intuitive like that. So I want to ask you about how you're able to see the whole picture and not get super emotional while you're trying to discern both parts in it because you're very, very good at doing that. And then, um, you know, not only that, but like, um, I mean, do you have any specific instances in your life that you haven't been able to maintain that? Um, and, and what's your advice on, you know, I mean, do you ever lose it? Oh, I, I have been known to do that a time or two. I, I don't believe it. I have a very, very, very uh -huh. long fuse. Okay. So I have been blessed with, uh -huh. um, a lot of patience, which I inherited from my dear mother. Uh -huh. Um, and so I have been blessed with a lot of patience. And as I said, putting the patience together with the listening skills uh -huh. and trying to be diplomatic and tactful, um, that has served me very well, uh -huh. and I think it would serve people well if they can take a step back and even think, can I do one of those things or uh -huh. focus on one of those things? I think the other thing that has helped me, and this really was exacerbated during the during the COVID years, um, you know, being the being the executive director of a foundation that was focused on helping people, uh -huh. and we, like everybody else, had to change our business model very quickly uh -huh. in March of. 2020 and figure out how we could still do things, but in a different way. And, and I was big, my mantra during that time was, um, okay, do your part. Uh -huh. So just do your part. And I think sometimes people get overwhelmed because they think I have to take everything on. Uh -huh. It's this whole wide avenue of things that I have to take on and I get overwhelmed because I don't know where to start. And I'm a big believer in figuring out sometimes What's just one little thing you can do or uh -huh. one thing you can change? Or how can you do your part to 
maybe change somebody's life? Or how can you do your part to say something or be kind to somebody? Um, retirement has been great for that as well because, um, you know, I've had the luxury now, the, the time, the flexibility. I have an aunt who is older and I now have time that I can go out and just visit with her mm-hmm. and maybe take lunch and spend some time with her or help her with an errand. I have some friends, you know, who have had medical issues. So if I can take somebody to a doctor appointment or physical therapy or take a meal over or something like that. And I think sometimes when you just slow down Mm -hmm. and start thinking about what's one little thing that I can do today Mm -hmm. that may make it better for Mm -hmm. somebody. I mean, sometimes I actually say that to myself in the morning. What's one little thing you can do that may make somebody smile or help them out today? And those things are not they're not life-changing. They're not mm-hmm. earth-shattering. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not tackling serious world problems. But I think sometimes we all just get so overwhelmed because we can't break it down and, and bring it down to what's one thing that I, as a person, can do. And for me, I think helping others and serving others, um, and, and again, back to that, you know, when when that was my role, my my career and my job, and during COVID, we quickly figured out how we could continue to serve people in mm-hmm. the in the communities where we were active, just in a different way and in right. a different delivery. And so um, whether it was professional or now personal, serving others, it makes me happy. It, yeah. it That's that I get more out of it, I think, sometimes than, than the other people. So I think sometimes that's what's important. You know, we all get overwhelmed, uh-huh. um, but just break it down and start thinking, what's my part? What can I do? When I think of you, I think of a person who has spent their life serving others, a person of service. I mean, I've been um, around you enough to see that that is the real deal, uh, whether it's small or big, whether you're in charge and overseeing something at a very high level, um, or it's at a food pantry where you're mm-hmm. stocking. I mean, you you walk the walk and you talk the talk, but something I never really considered that you said was listening is actually a skill set of serving others. I, I think that, you know, in today's culture, in today's society, that, like you said, listening perhaps has become a lost art form um, because people are thinking about themselves while you're talking. Mm-hmm. And if we were to, you know, change that thought process and kind of go back, I always, you know, my roots are Southern and, and, uh, my family is from the South, South Carolina. And were they just talk? Oh my God. They talk. We just sit around and we eat cheese, <laughs> pimento cheese, not all Southerners. Um, but, uh, my great, great aunt Joyce made the world's best pimento cheese. And all I remember as a kid growing up was, um, kind of standing around and they call it spinning the yarn. Okay. Just sitting on the front porch with iced tea and whatever, you know, and spin the yarn. Yeah. And that just meant no time. Um, there's no time that's being tracked. The time together is enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I love to spin the yarn, uh, but I, I feel like that is a lost art form because when you are storytelling, which is when you're, you know, sharing, Mm -hmm. people are kind of thinking uh, sooner or later, kind of get itchy and kind of get, it kind of get, start to move and think, when's this going back to me? When are we going to talk about me again? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I wonder, you know, if we can kind of talk through how we get people to see or or to understand or hear that 
listening really is a service to the person you are in a conversation with or, or sharing time with, um, that you may not get anything from it. It is a service to them. Mm -hmm. And I think I really learned this with, you had mentioned your great aunt, my mom, who is 82 and had a stroke. And I really dialed, had to dial back my expectation of what I received back from her just, um, because she's different as a, as a recovered stroke person. Right. Um, and I listen more, I listen more to her stories or, or, um, and that has been something that is such a gift, like you talked about, mm -hmm. but boy, do we not like as, as a group of society, give it a whole lot of value. Right. It doesn't have a whole lot of value, I don't feel like, anymore. Right. Because everybody's talking. I mean, we're on a podcast, for God's sake. I'm the biggest hypocrite right now. All we're doing is talking. We're talking. Right? No, we're listening, too. Mm -hmm. Well, and I appreciate the compliments, how you said, you know, and uh, whether I'm in charge or not. In uh, It's very important to be honest and candid. And so I want to make sure people know I am a little bossy. So no, I do, you're not. I'm a little bossy and I do no, like that's to be why in, me why we get along. I do like to be in charge of things. So I do like service and I do uh -huh. like helping other people, but I'm a little bossy and uh -huh. I like to be in charge of things. I'm also um I'm very comfortable and I've started describing myself as a bit of an old curmudgeon. And um I think that that's okay. I'm real comfortable with that because I'm one of those people, to your point, about talking and spending time with each other and not worried about time, you know, I'm just not sure when we look back at social media, this is where the old curmudgeon comes right. in. I'm not sure that social media is such a great thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it, obviously there are fantastic uses for it and um, it has a lot of pros to it. But I think in some ways we're raising a generation or two now that they've been very dependent on social media for their communication. That's their mode of communication. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think that fine art of conversation has been a little bit lost because they're not really used to sitting down and looking someone in the eye and having a, a dialogue, the mm -hmm. back and forth. I mean, that's, I guess what I'm talking about is a dialogue where mm -hmm. one person talks and then the other person talks and we kind of go back and forth and we compare um, stories or we have different points of view, but we can exchange that mm -hmm. in a nice and friendly way. I think sometimes on on social media, um, people are very used to communicating in those short bursts and it's on a screen and sometimes it's um, very divisive or it's, um, you know, it's not real pleasant and mm -hmm. it's not really a dialogue. No. So that's where my curmudgeon side it's the interactiveness between two mm -hmm. people and, and learning from somebody and the curiosity of like, you know, and sharing. But I, I have a philosophy of this because I'm a kid of the 70s. Mm -hmm. We waited for everything. It was just who, I mean, you grew up and you waited in line. You waited everywhere. You waited for your parents to pick you up. You waited to get, you know, to for the school bus. Mm -hmm. And you waited to go to class, um, like in college. Like I think, you know, back when we were, you and I both are graduates from IU in Bloomington, you waited to schedule your classes. Mm -hmm. I met some of my dearest friends waiting in line just to register for classes, mm -hmm. right? So you're standing around, you got nothing to do. So you know what, you'd be like, hey, where are you from? Oh, that's cool. I have right. a cousin from there. The discussion, the yeah, dialogue. Yeah, the dialogue right. and the sharing. But I think that this uber convenience of like door to door, right, has has um, kind of taken this time. Like we had time when we waited 
to to meet people, to talk to people, to to cultivate those relationships. Now it's just, you know, everybody running everywhere. Well, and I'm a child of the 60s. And so we, not only did we wait, there were times that we had to figure things out because, <laughs> right. because we were walking home from school or because there was some glitch um, somewhere and you had to, and we were problem solvers. So we had to, yes. we had to figure things out and mm -hmm. we were problem solvers. And we didn't have these parents who were kind of constantly hovering over us. Mm -hmm. um, there were, you know, there were times I think in the summer that our parents we're lucky if they knew where we were because we were just out all running and playing till and, dark and till dark mm -hmm. and and so I mean I think we were um, <clears throat> we were also problem solvers mm -hmm. and um, I have really attempted to raise mm -hmm. our children to to have that skill set because I think that that's important but again being the curmudgeon that I am sometimes I wonder if we haven't made everything just a little bit too easy and a little bit too instant right um, and and that is a fine art as well that mm -hmm. I think serves people very well. Um, I have this memory, true, totally true, um, of my mom standing at the front door and we had to be somewhere in the neighborhood that we could hear her. She actually had a bell. Yes. <laughs> this is, this mm -hmm. is, and she would stand at the front door and she would ring this huge uh, brass school bell. Mm -hmm. I actually still have it because it's such a childhood memory. Mm -hmm. I keep it in my kitchen cupboard and I open it and I'm I like, oh that. my God, that was my childhood. Mm -hmm. But if you weren't mm -hmm. in the earshotted bell for dinner, then there was hell to pay, right? So uh -huh. like get home at dusk for dinner. Right. So I had this romantic, when my kids were growing up, I had this romantic <clears throat> notion of I'm going to institute the bell, right? So we actually, like I'm not even joking. Like my kids are little, they're out. And I didn't think this through because, you know, the parent I was, everybody was in my yard. You're not allowed to, like, go down through the neighborhood. And, you know, I was that parent, like, you got to stay. Da -da. So I go I go out to ring the bell. And I'm like, this is, like, this moment. The mo you know, here I am. I'm a mom of three. I'm going to ring the bell like my mom. And they're like, we're right here, mom. <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. And they're like, um, yeah, we're right here on the sidewalk and your dreams were crushed that's okay i was like god that's so weird you can rebound i cannot believe i was on my bike in first and second grade miles away and you're like i think that's my bell just I'm a not different time right a different, a different time right right different time and we have to i'm not against evolution and evolving and learning <laughs> like we have to roll with the punches and right. learn different things but I think at the end of the day, sometimes you can come back to the core values that have served you very well. So, you know, being a problem solver and being a person who likes to serve and being a good listener and um, just getting up every day and saying, okay, what's my part? How can I be a good friend or how can I be a, a good family member or do something that's going to help somebody else? Um, I think sometimes when you start with those, what I'll call those core values and the things that are important to you and have served you well then that has a ripple effect uh -huh. and that can help, um, you know, other people. And again, you're doing your little part. And maybe if we all were more focused on that, like if we're all focused on what's my little part that I can bring to the game today, what uh -huh. can I do um, that might help that, that would be impressive. I mean, that would be something that we could all do. And then that would start to have that. And if we just effect. started with listening, yes, choosing your words, reaching out to somebody, I always said it's very uncomfortable for someone to sit with a friend or family member or somebody they care about who um, is struggling. Nobody wants to feel that uncomfortableness. But if you know somebody who's just 
going through a hard time just to call and listen to them, right? Mm-hmm. Just just to sit with them, mm-hmm. just to literally sit with them and their uncomfortableness. I feel like that is the greatest gift of all. Um, and I don't think people know how to do that anymore because they don't want to feel uncomfortable either. Right. Right. I think that's a good point. And I mean, I, I think also just to make sure, you know, there's that fine art of offering, offering to be there. So mm-hmm. offer yourself as a resource, but then don't push it. You, you make the invitation and you make sure somebody knows that you're there and that you're willing to do whatever they need. But I also am a big believer in not necessarily pushing it or m- making them feel too uncomfortable um, to accept that. And I think we also have to be willing to have conversations with people talking about comfortable, you know, you can have conversations with people where the outcome doesn't have to be that you're necessarily going to change out of the person's mind or, okay. or, or, uh, convince them of something. I mean, again, back to that dialogue piece, you can have conversations with people and have a dialogue and maybe disagree on an important topic, but still at the end of the day, be friends and just exchange information. And, and I think sometimes we forget that as well. I think that is so important. And that's one of my favorite things about you is because you know you I'm going to learn something when I'm with you. I know that if I listen, shut my, my spaghetti sucker long enough, I'm going to learn something um, that's wise and discerning. And, and I'm going to take away um, probably just overall um, an approach of, being a better human. When I think of you, I, when I am with you, I leave feeling like a better human. I'm not, I mean, seriously, I do. Like you bring that out in me. Um, if I could just keep you with me all the time. <laughs> I think okay. that we would have a ball if yeah. that was the case. I know. I may I have don't to know how, concerts with you I don't so know I can how be our, with you. I don't know how our husbands would feel about that. Either. Unfortunately, we all like each other. Yes. But, um, well, thank you. Your compliments are sweet and they resonate and they're very important to me. And, um, I, you know, I think, like I said, you, we, you're raised a certain way and this is the way that I was raised. And these were those important core values that I have. And, um, I, I just appreciate wonderful friends like you who, uh, who make it very easy to, to, to interact. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for being with us, Teresa Rhodes. Super grateful for you. Thanks for those who tune into the little happy podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing, um, And we hope you set some intention this week. We hope that you find a little happy along the way. And my takeaway from Teresa is choose your words, listen, and serve others in in the best capacity that you have um, available to you. Thank you for your wisdom, Teresa. Until we meet again, I hope everybody has a little happy in their lives.